It's January 12th, 2024, and yesterday was Thursday. Today's Friday. I actually recorded some yesterday, kind of a podcast, but I didn't I didn't actually upload it. I didn't record the podcast. I guess calling it a podcast isn't really the right thing to say. It was similar to these podcasts, but really all it was was me kind of talking to myself about Wazard and what I needed to do and what I felt like the important things to focus on were. And because I tried writing that stuff down and then I think talking through it out loud and recording myself was actually helpful for that. So even though it wasn't a podcast that I ended up uploading. It was helpful for me to record myself. Uh, I made a list of seven things, I think, while I was doing that yesterday. And I thought I'd uh, done four of the things yesterday on the list, but turns out there was a bug I tried fixing, and this morning I was playing the game. And uh, the bug's still in, so I'm going to have to take a look at that one again and try and fix it. The bug is when um, you're fighting the final boss of the demo. Um, sometimes the sprite doesn't flip correctly. Uh, it kind of like the the boss will face the wrong direction while it's firing one of its attacks, and it looks really bad, and I want to fix that, but I guess I don't fully understand why... I thought I understood why it was happening, but my fix didn't seem to work, so I must not have fully understood why it was happening. It's time for me to dig into it again and solve it. But I did get three other things kind of done yesterday, making some progress. I also asked in my Discord for people who'd be willing to record themselves playing the new demo. Uh, so that was good. I got, I think, five people, four or five people who volunteered to play it this weekend. So that's going to that's gonna be really helpful to kind of see how people feel about the direction I'm taking things. I, I really haven't gotten any good playtesting since I implemented the new stat system and reworked secondary spells. So it'll be interesting to see how people feel about it. Um, I think it's all a step in the right direction. Um, there's still work that needs to be done, I think, in order to make it feel really good. But uh, yesterday I was I came into my office to um, do something, I, I think maybe grab something from my office or whatever. And somehow I ended up started starting a run in Wazard. <laughs> and uh, it was a, a Midas charm run. Uh, which is kind of the highest risk, highest reward run you can do in the game. And I was having a lot of fun with it and ended up beating the game, but only with one health left. Uh, but I was dealing a ton of damage. And so taking the Midas Charm kind of turns you into a glass cannon because you can no longer heal your character, but you also get coins instead of hearts essentially. And so you can um, really, really push your character's damage output and fire rate and buy a bunch of charms for your character. So it's a fun run to do. And I, I just, I couldn't help but notice that I got kind of sucked into the game and into the fun of it. And uh, 
really, you know, I think, I really do think this was a step in the right direction. There's, there's more synergies to kind of consider when you're buying charms. Um, when I'm buying a charm, I'm not just thinking about what that charm does itself, but how it's going to affect the secondary spells that I have. So I was pretty excited about that. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's a thing that I've been noticing with, uh, I guess I have two things kind of on my mind right now with Wazard. One of them is that This is funny. This is really funny for me to say. It's funny to me. It might not be as funny to you, but I went. I kind of commit to this project too soon, <laughs> um, which is the you know the one thing that I talk about in my book, where it's like, oh, you don't want to commit too soon. You want to make sure you're ready, that you've really explored in pre-production before you jump to production. Um, and so why do I say that? I think, I think you can commit to a project too soon in a way that ruins the project almost, uh, or you might as well just try something different and, you know, or like start over essentially. Uh, that's not what I think I did with this project. I, I waited long enough to where I was, I was like, yeah, there's a really good concept here. It's really fun. Um, I put it in front of playtesters. Playtesters are really liking this. This this project definitely could be. I could finish this project the way it is, and just release it the way it is, and it would it would be a good investment of my time because what I have is really good, and I've proven that by putting it in front of playtesters and watched their experience, proving it to myself, I guess. So I think that was the point that I got wazard to, right? Which is I didn't commit I didn't commit so early that it kind of killed the project, but at the same time, uh, one of the things that I've noticed is I've been looking at the project and going, you know, this art style actually doesn't serve the game design very well. The two point five D perspective has actually hindered the game design in a lot of ways, and. And an art style where I kind of flattened everything out, like it could still be kind of like a the same perspective, but but like think about a game like Baba is You. Um, that game is still kind of like a perspective view, but there is no depth. the The game never has to worry about depth sorting, really, uh, and everything is kind of flat. So even though the perspective is kind of like this top down and side view at the same time. It's also kind of flat. It almost reminds me of like Egyptian. Um, I can't think of the word, but like Egyptian art where everything is kind of from the side, but it's also from the top. And uh, I think that an art style like that would actually serve Wazard better. Um, a more simplified style that didn't have to worry about depth. And then, uh, you know, projectiles, for example, right now, people, there, some playtesters are a little bit confused as to when they're going to be hit by a projectile and when they're not. And I've done some, I've done some changes to make that a lot better. And I think that it's, 
that it's in a better place, but there are still people who struggle with it. And I like my, my instinct is just like, if I were to simplify this art down a lot more, it would solve that problem. The problem is that that's not really an option at this point in development. Um, I'm far, far enough along in development that making a major change like that would require starting the project over. Uh, it's not worth it. I think I can find solutions to the, to the kind of ambiguity around whether you're going to get hit by something without having to do something that extreme starting over. But part of the reason, like I would actually prefer to, to do that, to actually restart, um, and kind of change that completely, except that I already have set up some expectations for what this game looks like. So I put the game on Steam, and I also released a teaser trailer on my YouTube channel, and I have over a thousand wish lists on Steam. And so there's an expectation for what this game is going to look like, and I feel an obligation and a sense of a sense of um, I guess I, I feel like it would be wrong for me to actually change that, even though it might be right for the game, it would be wrong for the people who are already interested in the game and who are following it. That's kind of my intuition right now. Uh, and so I don't want to make a major change like that, but if I hadn't released a teaser trailer, if I hadn't, in fact, I'd probably be okay with even having the game on Steam, like a Steam page up, I'd still probably be okay with changing it if I hadn't released like a teaser trailer. Um, I don't know. I'm still kind of on the fence about all of this. Like it's still up in the air in my mind. I don't, I'm not just like, I'm, I don't have like a strong resolve as to how it's supposed to be, but I'm leaning toward, I need to continue with the art style that I have because of the expectation that I've set up for uh, the, the current people who are interested in the game. Because going with an art style sim more similar to something like Baba is You is a pretty extreme change. And there would definitely be players who are like, I don't like how this looks now. I liked your old art style. I'm very disappointed with the new one. And, you know, it's, it's for kind of like a minor quality of life improvement, which is like um, some players would... would have a better understanding of when something was going to hit them and when it wasn't. Because I think most players already can sense that pretty well right now. Uh, so it's only like a small group that feels like they struggle with that. And I think that I could learn to um, make it easier for them to tell, you know. Uh, so that's that's been on my mind is this idea of still jumping to production a little too soon. Um, it's so, maybe, maybe part of the problem is that you're always going to feel like you jumped to production too soon, even if you, you were good enough, you know, even if you did a good enough job of waiting and making sure that things were good, you're always going to be like, man, I wish I could have fixed this before I moved into production, you know? Um, and I think understanding when it's worth it to just continue in production and that, yeah, I did a good enough job. I, I did test this. I did establish that this was a good concept. I need to have faith in this concept and 
move forward and not start over again. I think that there's that aspect too. Uh, so that's that's kind of an important important discussion to have. I think. Um, I don't actually remember what the other thing that was on my mind was. I got too far down that topic right there. But yeah, I think that's an important thing to think about is there really is a balance there. And I did a good job with this game, even if maybe I look back and I'm like, you know, I could have maybe done something slightly differently. I think the big one for me has been I think the biggest thing that I would do differently in my next project, I mean, it, I, I'm still planning on, on prototyping for Demon Lock this year. So that's, that's going to be my next project. Uh, and how that goes is going to be maybe more similar to Wazard. I don't know how much I can, I don't know how much I can change um, because of, expectations around that project. Um, I will be changing some stuff. I'm going to be a lot more likely to just throw stuff out with that I, with that project. So Demon Luck might, may end up being something completely different from what I originally envisioned as I make prototypes for it. But I think the thing that I would change the most in my, in my next project, the next game that I make, if we're not counting Demon Luck, is that I would just have a much shorter prototyping um, I, I would do game a week instead of game a month because you, I just, as a solo developer and also somebody who is working part-time, I can't work full-time, prototyping for an entire month creates so much more baggage and, uh, and, um, there's almost like a correlation between the size of your prototype and the size of your game. And I know that, that that's not always going to be the case, but that there is something there, I think. There is somewhat of a relationship there. And so most of the time. And so if I, you know, I spent a whole month prototyping Wazard and uh, getting to like a, an initial demo, I guess, is what I would call it. Um, and I think that's just made development take a lot longer because the project is a lot bigger because of that. And in the future, I would try making the amount of what I was able to do on Wazard in a month, I would try to do in a week on a different project. And I think that would constrain my scope even better. Um, and then, and then allow me to finish that game in a more reasonable amount of time and really polish it and make it into something great. And I used to think that, I used to think that I needed to make like big games because otherwise people wouldn't take me seriously. Like, oh, if you release a small game, um, then people are like, oh, well, you're not a real game developer because you made a small game. And there is kind of that stigma out there, and I think it's wrong. Um, I think I got that with my first game, um, End Hall, and I don't think it was fair that I got that because End Hall was actually a pretty difficult game to make um, as far as like the code and development. 
like uh, doing something like that as a more difficult game. And the reason end hall wasn't very big wasn't because I started with a small prototype. It was because I didn't have a production cycle. In fact, I would argue that end hall would have actually been a pretty good sized game if I'd had a full production cycle. Uh, so having a very small pre-production, I don't think dictates the length of your game as far as like playtime goes. Um, it's going to dictate your development cycle on the game some, I think, but not necessarily the playtime of the game. And so you can make a game that is very big and have a short development cycle for it. Um, and I think the way you do that is with a shorter pre-production phase uh, where you're making games in a week, the thing that I recommend in my book, Game a Week, and uh, then you're spending more time during production in order to create um, a larger experience uh, for the player. So your pre-production can be very short and then have uh, that will constrain your scope but not necessarily constrain the size of the game as it's experienced by the player. It just it constrains the scope of your project as it is to make it. And there's not really, now that I'm saying this and thinking through this, there's not really a way to distinguish those two things, but they definitely exist. There is definitely a how much work is this game to make, and then there's a how long, how how much is there for the player to experience, right? And you can have games that don't take very long to make, but create a very big experience for the player. And, and, and so the size of the game is different, right? There's the size of the game as you're creating it, how much work it takes to make it. And then there's the size of the game for the player, what they experience. And those two things, they're related, but but um, not, not necessarily connected all the time. You can have a game that you spend 10 years on, right? And put all this effort into it. And then because your effort was somewhat wasted, it was put into the wrong places, your player uh, could have a very short experience and maybe even not a very good one. And so just putting more time into something doesn't necessarily make it a longer or better experience for your player. And so I think that's kind of what my book tries to tries to optimize for is a not wasting your time. And if you explore really quickly in pre-production, then when you get to production, you know that your efforts in production are going to be rewarded. You're not going to put 10... If I put 10 years into Wazard, I know that at the end of those 10 years, it would be a really great experience because I already found a good, solid foundation in pre-production. Whereas if you put 10 years into a game and you don't have a good, solid foundation, then a lot of that time might be wasted. And that's the thing that I think I'm trying to avoid um, and so I've done a pretty good job with Wazard, but I think the lesson that I learned was I spent too long in pre-production 
um, relative to my team size, relative to my ability as a developer and, and my team size and my time that I have to put towards games, toward games, I need to cut that down from a month to a week. So there you go. There's my ramble about uh, that topic. I hope that there's something in there for you that you can have a takeaway from that. I certainly learned something while I was thinking that through and talking it through. I think it helped me to clarify a bit in my own mind what I think on the topic. So next week, I'll let you know how the playtesting goes with the playtesters. Uh, I think that's going to be the big, the big takeaway from this week. That was my goal uh, on my plan for the next three weeks. I had this week was polish the spells some, which I did some yesterday. I'll do some more today. And then playtester videos. I'm going to be... Um, reaching that goal. My goal for next week is refactor the enemies using components. I don't even know if I'll end up doing that because as I've looked at the enemies, they seem pretty good. So I might just be polishing more stuff to try and prepare for the Steam demo, um, kind of basically taking the feedback from the play testers and working on it next week. And then, uh, oh yeah, this podcast episode is already long enough but I did remember the other thing that I wanted to talk about. And it's just a question in my mind. Right now, the stats scale logarithmically, which means initially um, your stats scale quickly and then they slowly start to taper off. So there's diminishing returns on investing in the same stat. And uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I've considered a linear scaling and I've considered an exponential scaling and I don't know how I feel about any of them. Exponential would encourage the player to invest all their everything into a single stat, right? Because then they're getting the most reward off that. So that feels wrong to me. Um, linear might be closer to what I want. The problem with logarithmic is that uh, I don't know if, you know, if players if play, players are going to naturally want to invest everything into one stat and they might not know that they're getting diminishing returns, it might not, there might not be a strong feedback loop for them, like a strong feedback mechanism for them to know that. Um, where linear would be kind of like more neutral, right? I'm not going to, like if they invest everything into one stat, that's not necessarily going to be bad. But if they invest into other stats, it's also not going to be bad. And I don't know what, like, what does Vampire Survivors use? Does it use, like, an exponential, like, does it want you to invest everything into one thing? Or I don't know how games do this. I don't know. I mean, maybe it depends on the game. But, like, for roguelikes, when you're scaling something, how do you scale it? You know? The difficulty curve is going to be exponential. Um or maybe it's going to be linear. Like maybe the enemies get more difficult in a linear way. Like I, I kind of have to know how to get my difficulty curve and then how to get... Anyway, I don't want to go all the way into that topic right now, but it's something that I'm unsure of. So if you have any advice for me, let me know. Send me a message. Thanks for listening to this episode, and I will see you all in the next one.